We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my dear one, my sweet thing, my soul sibling. How are you today? So I have some questions for you. What comes to your mind and what are your thoughts and feelings when I say the word prosperity? Where do you feel that inside of yourself? Is it expansive or is it contracting? And do you consider yourself to be prosperous? When I was younger, I believed prosperity was for the select few, the lucky ones, the smart ones, the talented ones, maybe even the ones God loved more. It took me a lot of time and some suffering to choose to finally go inward, look at my beliefs, heal them, and transcend them. These days, I'm so grateful for my struggles and for learning from them. These days, I'm peacefully, joyfully, and abundantly prosperous, and I love to help others claim this for themselves as well. I document my process filled with exercises in my book, Manifesting Prosperity from the Inside Out. I also love to have conversations about prosperity consciousness and how we can all cultivate and claim this for and within ourselves. If we have the courage to look in the dark corners of our psyche and clean them up. Today, I'm excited, grateful, and honored to have a thought-provoking, heart-opening, and empowering conversation with a world-renowned prosperity expert. We're here with Ezra Ogat. As a transformational coach and yoga teacher, Ezra has helped people worldwide discover their power to live the life they choose. Today, she helps people transform their lives so they may experience their own spiritual and financial abundance through one-on-one coaching and workshops. Individuals, celebrities, and corporations have all sought her services and mentorship, along with her husband and business partner, author and transformational coach, Ike Ogut. Ezra pioneered transformational coaching in Turkey and co-created a sought-after coaching certification program. Ezra holds a bachelor's degree in English literature from Turkey's Bosphorus University and a film and television certificate from UCLA. She is also a certified instructor of Kundalini Yoga. Today, we're here to talk about her book, Money Does Grow on Trees, The Myths We Create and live by. So Ezra, thank you so much for saying yes to our conversation today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me and having me. And it's just so wonderful to be able to do it from across the world. I know you're in Turkey. I'm in Boise, Idaho. (laughs) Our producer, Tony, is in uh, Michigan. So I am a fan of technology these days. Me too. (laughs) It's wonderful. So I'm just super excited to to be able to have a conversation about prosperity consciousness was something I struggled with intensely for years. I kind of get it now. And I love talking to other people who are also teaching and supporting others and expanding in their ability to experience more prosperity in their lives. So first, I just want to start with the title of your book. I find this so amazing and intriguing. Money does grow on trees. So let's talk about why, why this name and what does that mean? Well, um, you know, when I was, I wasn't really sure about the title of the book. And then one day, um, actually, I think midway into writing it, it came to me 
And, um, you know, we all, in all, across all cultures, we have kind of very limiting and negative conditionings about money. Mm-hmm. And in English, I know there's a saying, well, money doesn't grow on trees, meaning mm-hmm. that, you know, resources are limited. It's hard to get by, you know, the resources. We have the same kind of, not the exact same saying, but something similar in Turkey. And definitely myself, I remember having grown up with those kind of um, limited belief systems that then helped me create limitations of prosperity in my life. So I wanted to just play a twist on that and say, yes, money does grow on trees because abundance is everywhere. And it's so funny because I hadn't really thought of this, but money is paper, which comes from trees. <laughs> and exactly. Thing, it's, just, it's just paper. <laughs> it, we, it, it has the power that we give to it. And I think as human beings on planet Earth, we give a lot of power to it. But then us as individuals, we need to, to create our own relationship and beliefs around prosperity consciousness. And that's what in turn affects and influences our experience of it. So exactly. Your exactly. subtitle, the myth <laughs> we create and live by. Let's talk about that. Well, for me, um, you know, I, the myths we create and live by is very, very meaningful because to me, it was a very empowering moment in time when I was able to discover the myth I had created about money. Mm-hmm. Because there I was, you know, struggling, trying to make it. I had a very low rent. I was play, uh, paying in LA $800 and, uh, Every month it was a heart attack to make ends meet, credit cards, uh, credit card companies after me. And, you know, finally I had it. And when I was working with my mentor, my coach, I all of a sudden came to the awareness of the myth I had created around money. And it was due to something I experienced as a seven, eight year old, just a simple conversation of grownups going on around me where from the conversation, I came to the conclusion that money and love never go together. So I made a choice because that's what I decided to believe. And I remembered as a seven-year-old locking myself into the bathroom, looking at the mirror and saying, you know, God, universe, I will always follow the way of love and I will never say yes to money. Mm -hmm. So when my own, when my own coach was coaching me and I remembered the seven-year-old decision I had made about money, I was blown away by how powerfully I had created that story all the way up to age 35 for myself. Mm-hmm. I had been always very successful in following what I love to do, following where I love to live. Uh, The path of love was always open because I was dedicated to it, but it always meant that in that path, I would never bind it with money. So, yeah. It's so interesting how we are programmed early in our lives, either something maybe our parents handed down to us that we take on. My mom would say, um, I'd say, I wish I could have this, or I wish I could do that. She'd say, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And she's like, you can't have what you want. If you could, everybody would have everything they want. And so you can't. 
And so it's it's these deep-seated messages that I think we take on that kind of control us kind of um, behind the scenes as adults. So to be able to suffer enough to finally turn inward and go, what is it that I think? And where did that come from and why? And to be able to dismantle and unravel that, such freedom is available to all of us. Yes, it is. And I, you know, I really like a saying that Abraham Hicks has, actually, Mm -hmm. where um, I, I believe the exact quote is, you know, you are so free, you're allowed bondage. Mm-hmm. And I think even as children, as the souls in the body here to experience the earth, we are still very free. So I don't think every time it is conditioning, I think even as children, we choose. Um, because in the event that I'm talking about, for example, the grown-ups were passing on a message that was the opposite of what I chose. They were just talking amongst themselves about a prearranged marriage where a 20-year-old had been married off to a very kind of, you know, rich doctor. And they were saying, well, good, you know, that's what a woman should do. A woman should be mindful of, you know, prosperity and she should marry into wealth instead of following her heart, which was like, as a seven-year-old listening to this, I was like, you know, (laughs) really anxious about what I was hearing. So that's, the conditioning that was going on. And I remember really freaking out and being like, oh my God, are these the grown-ups that are, you know, that are supposed to lead me? And when I locked myself into the bathroom with the information that was available, I made a very different, again, limited, but very different opposite choice where it's like, okay, other women can follow, you know, whatever wealth and say no to their heart. I'm going to be the one that says yes to my heart, but no to money. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was, it was, yeah, it was presented to you as an either or, or option. It couldn't be. And, but it seems like later you figured out, oh, it doesn't have to be either or it can be. And yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, things happen around us, even as children. And from that we drive, we come uh, into our own conclusions about things in a way like an author, you know, writing a book or someone writing a play, we decide the belief system and then that's very successfully experienced. Mm-hmm. Well put, very successfully experienced. Yeah, it's sort of like, I think as children, we are magical, we're wise, we're fresh from the heart of God and we, we know we're magical, but then we start to believe um, that the the hurt, the heartbreaks, the drama and the trauma from those that have raised us. And then we start questioning and doubting ourselves. And then we take on those beliefs until maybe they're not working. And then we kind of have our own break open attitude or, you know, we're going to make a very different choice. So what was the turning point for you, Ezra, when you decided, okay, we're going to do things differently? What was your breaking open point? My breaking open point was just basically the awareness. I mean, before it was more like, you know, I, I want to at least make ends meet mm-hmm. and, you know, I can't and, you know, there must be something wrong with me. I'm really trying. I have a good education. People seem to like really like whatever work I do. Why isn't it working for me? You know, that whole kind of, you know, self-pity thing going on. Living the problem as a problem. When with my mentor, I discovered this story of mine. And when I kind of woke up 
to the fact that a seven-year-old's choice was running my money game at age, you know, 30 plus, it was a very big aha because instead of like feeling unsuccessful and I'm trying to do something that's not happening, it was more like my whole perception switched to, oh my God, I have been experiencing exactly what I chose. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that was very empowering for me. So then you just decided to make different choices? At that moment, I made what we call in our teachings, uh, coined by, me, by my mentor, I made a new being choice. So we can say uh, I created a new relationship to money mm-hmm. and decided right there and then. And by deciding, I don't mean like a mental decision, with, but a decision with all of my being. I'm like, of course, money and prosperity can exist side by side. And I am choosing prosperity from this moment on. I'm saying yes, because mm-hmm. I don't want to live with this limiting belief system anymore. It's ridiculous. It belongs to a seven-year-old. So tell me a little bit about where you were with your prosperity and where you currently are with prosperity. <laughs> where was I? Well, I had I had been kicked out of the banking system in the U.S. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> it was that bad. <laughs> Basically, I had gone like, uh, you know, under uh, the the zero amount, like so not too much actually it was like I was minus 800 or something. But um, I, I just so didn't have a relationship to my bank and I wouldn't like open up my statements because like it would always be bad news. So basically the banking system kicked me out. And for a long time, I wasn't able to even open a bank account in any bank in the U.S. for a while. It was that bad. Oh, my. Um, okay. <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't, you know, I can't say everything changed in 24 hours. It still took maybe a year or a year and a half. Uh, but once the momentum started, once the different pieces of the prosperity consciousness, you know, came into place very fast. There was an exponential expansion. And the first one was actually in 2007. Mm -hmm. So I had figured out my belief system. I had figured out the importance of positive cash flow, which means, you know, you're, you're very mindful about your savings, but really the turning point besides the limiting belief uh, system and the choice was in 2000 of 2007, January, I decided I was going to be the queen of the I have, I have mantra. So every day I started doing gratefulness for about 15 to 20 minutes. Just focusing on everything I have. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful, you know, for like from simple things to big things until I would generate the sense of feeling so incredibly rich just because of my focus. Yes. So that was one aspect. And then the other thing I would do with the gratefulness is start being grateful for things that I would like to have before they have happened. So it was a lot using the power of the word and changing my state of being from lack to prosperity inside of me first. Yes. Yes. That created an incredibly fast momentum. And so that I'll really is the, the foundation Sorry. of prosperity consciousness. It's an inward yeah. feeling state. Wouldn't you agree? 
Exactly. That's, I mean, it's really that simple. It really is. Enough. Yeah. I love how you're putting it because it makes it very comprehensive and I agree completely. So I love your book in that it's so um, interactive. Uh, you do a lot of um, exercises and meditations and it's not just about prosperity. It's about also, in my experience of reading it, it's about your spiritual connection. Wouldn't you agree? Completely. <laughs> yeah, everything. I, I'm, that's my experience of prosperity. Everything comes from our connection to God and our lives are either a reflection of our connection or disconnection. And I find as I take care of that, everything else seems to take care of itself. So um, you talk about uh, and you write a lot about the role of ego in our lives. Can you tell me a little bit about what that means to you? How would you describe ego and why is that important to understand in our transformational process into prosperity? Sure. Um, you know, coming from a yoga background, uh, initially I was kind of more exposed to the philosophy of like kind of ego, you know, being the bad guy. Right. And with my mentor and his kind of approach, which we then took further, um, I started defining ego differently. Ego not being as like the bad guy or something, you know, trying to trip us up, but basically a very important function. Because the way I like to think about the world is, you know, if something is not needed, it wouldn't be there. If it's there, it has a purpose. So I started thinking together with the help of my mentor, well, what purpose could ego have? His definition is that ego is basically the protector of our belief system. So when we come to a conclusion about something, this could be about money, about relationships, about men, about women, about anything you can imagine. When we come to a conclusion, there has to be a mechanism that reminds that choice to us later on. And that is what we define as ego. Mm -hmm. It's the protector of whatever it is that we have decided. So when we decide we like coffee and then we don't have to remember every morning that we like coffee or we discover again we like coffee, the mechanism that is reminding us to automatically go and pour a cup of coffee is basically the ego. And when I have decided as a seven-year-old, oh, money and love don't go together, so I'm always going to say no to money, the part that makes sure that money is kept out of my life is again the ego because it anchors that belief system into the library of my mind. So I don't have to think about it, but I manifest accordingly. Okay. So how can we maybe create a different kind of relationship with our ego so that we can experience more of what we really want in our lives? I think it's wonderful to begin to see the ego not as the enemy, but as a, as a mechanism that's trying to protect us. Mm -hmm. So one of the most wonderful ways I've found to deal with the ego is first, listen to what it's saying. Mm -hmm. So when it's afraid of something, we're about to make a choice and maybe like we're freaking out and we don't know why we're freaking out. Well, the ego is trying to protect us based on a belief system. Mm -hmm. So to turn around and say, hey, ego, we actually give like in our courses, we get everyone to pick a name for their egos, mm -hmm. <laughs> a name they like. Right. So you just turn around and you say, hey, hey ego, well, what is it that you're afraid of? 
what's going on here? Tell me, tell me your story. And from there, it's possible to hear what the story is. Mm-hmm. And then to talk to the ego, which is again, the protector of the belief system, as you would to a child, retraining it to come into the new reality you want to experience. So for example, if the belief system is like men always cheat, yes, and the person is always having this recurring experience of being betrayed and being cheated, da 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 da, da well, it's, it's not kind of happening randomly. There's a belief system that was picked or, you know, decided somewhere along the way that was then forgotten, but that's allowing the person to kind of live the same written scenario over and over again. Mm -hmm. So a good way to train the ego is, okay, obviously there's a belief system, men always cheat. Well, you begin talking to it like you would to a child you're training and say, listen, ego, you know, I I hear you. I, I know this is what you believe. But look, this is not what all men are about. Look at this example. Look at that example. Look at that mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. You know, I and basically that. talk to the fear. Yes. I love that because it creates a space for conversation, communication, um, awareness. Um, I like something the Course in Miracles um, said. The ego is like the scavenger dog. It's always going to find what it's <laughs> looking for. It's always going to find what it's looking for. So, yeah, if you think money is hard to come by or men always cheat, you're going to find that. It's like your ego is determined to find that so you can prove to yourself that you're right. But if we can have the conversation with the ego and say it can be different, it can be more and and listen to the fears and open that conversation, have that communication. It can really expand our experience, the direction that we would prefer to go. Exactly. And I think the, you know, sometimes it's possible to convince, sometimes not. But in this exercise of talking to the ego, what I found that's the most magical aspect of it is that when you're talking to the ego, you cannot be the ego at the same time. Huh. So in those moments of conversation, you kind of get the conditioned belief out of the way as something that is a part of you, but that is not specifically you. That's interesting. I haven't heard it quite like that before, but I love it. Because, you know, <laughs> I love the saying also, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So sometimes when I think of the ego, it's us protecting ourselves, our um, persona, our human selves. So if the soul can talk to the human self or the spirit can talk to ego, it can create this dialogue and create the space for awareness and expansion, which is the direction I want to go. Another example, but it's actually not related to prosperity. So I'll, I'll skip that one. It's related to relationships. So I'll just skip that one. It's okay. Well, no, I think I want to hear that because I think uh, it all goes together. So you can't <laughs> tease us with that bit of wisdom and not share it. <laughs> Well, this is such a great way, you know, of how the ego functions. Um, When I met my husband, my love, uh, my soulmate, um, I think he proposed to me like kind of almost the first or second week or something like that. And I was just so mortified. And it took me about, you know, we started living together, but it took me about four years to actually say yes to getting married, you know, married. It was a really, really big thing I was afraid of. Mm -hmm. 
and I just never knew why. Uh, after we got married, I figured it out because we, you know, everything was great. The minute we got married, something happened to me that I had never experienced. And that was all of a sudden I became extremely jealous. And I was like the queen of never being jealous prior, you know, to getting married. So it's like there's this character with me that I can't even recognize or understand what's going on. But because, you know, we had already started coaching and we were trained, we we're very used to kind of coaching and helping uh, one another. So I knew that there was a belief system. And uh, immediately I found what it was, again, as an eight, nine year old. Uh, I'm at a birthday party and I experienced this man holding the leg of a woman that's not his wife. And it's like the first time I become aware of this whole cheating concept. Mm -hmm. And um, at that moment, I, I remembered my body kind of got like electrocuted and I made the decision, oh, when men get married, that's when they cheat. <laughs> mm -hmm. Another one of those deep seated youthful exactly. beliefs. But yeah, sometimes we have to have those experiences as adults to bring them out of the closet to have that um, exactly. awareness and to heal. This so is great. Yes. My ego is going to be freaked out from getting married because since that belief system I'm not even aware of, it hasn't even surfaced, is actually inside of me. The ego is doing everything it can to stop me from going to what it thinks will be a very painful experience. Which makes things make sense. It's protecting yeah. you. Yeah. All right, Ezra, I can't believe our time is almost what? up. Can you believe oh, it? I'm so so grateful you said yes to another conversation next week about um, expanding a relationship with money. So uh, we just have a minute here. How can people find out more about you? Do you have a website? Where can they get your book? Sure. Uh, our website, the English one, is just newly up and running. Thank God in time <laughs> for the show. <laughs> uh, and it's ikeandesranow.com. So that is I-K-E and e-s-r-a now.com and the book will be coming out in amazon july 13th so all right uh, yeah and it's great i got an advanced reading copy i recommend it highly if you are ready to say yes and claim and expand in your ability to experience and receive immense prosperity i think it's a lot of fun and and uh I invite everyone that uh, wants this for themselves to say yes and get a copy of your book. Oh, thank Delphi. you, Tammy. Well, I adore you, Ezra, and I'm so happy to say yes to another conversation with you and my guests, my friends, my listeners, my soul siblings. Thanks for letting us be a part of your day. I'd love to hear from you, TammyBPhD at gmail.com. And just know that you're in our hearts, our meditations, our prayers as we expand onward and upward in ever-increasing ability to be in our loving. God bless you. We love you. Bye for now.